Welcome in, all you lovers of red and green chili. Fasten, all you who drink the shade of cottonwoods and warm yourselves in the infinite sun. Moon watchers, stargazers, desert dwellers, and cherished friends, come into this sacred hour. Let music move your spirit and kindness heal your soul. Come, let us worship together. Good morning and welcome to First Unitarian this morning. I'm Angela Herrera. I'm the senior minister here. I'm joined this morning by intern minister Kristen Famula, our DJ Eric Renz Whitmore, our backup DJ William Baker, and our usher Ted Zuschlag. Our lay worship leader this morning is John Eldridge, and our Time for All Ages was prepared by Emily Wright Magoon. We are all so excited to be here with you this morning on this stormy fall morning here in Albuquerque. And if you are new, if you're visiting for the first or second time and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat so that we can greet you personally. And now John has some announcements and invitations to share. Our first campus cleanup will be held Saturday, October 22nd, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Given a lovely crisp fall morning, come help clean up our campus before winter. Adults and children are welcome. Please bring your gloves, pruning shears, and kneeling pads. We have rakes, etc. Lunch will be served afterward in Memorial Hall. Come enjoy some exercise, fellowship, that great feeling of accomplishment, and lunch. And don't miss Sol e Canto in concert, also on Saturday, October 22nd. Sol e Canto is a pan-Latin musical duo featuring Brian and Rosie Amador. Brian has New Mexican roots and Rosie hails from Argentina. Sol e Canto's performances connect us all with our hopes and visions of a better world through shared experience of music, poetry, humor, and a joyful vibe. Tickets are available at the church website or on the Facebook event page. Finally, we're still looking for our director of finance. If you know of anyone who might be a good fit, encourage them to reach out to the church. The job posting is on our website and we encourage folks to share the link in their social media. This is a family-friendly job with benefits, generous leave time, and a great team of coworkers. Good morning. Sit down and tell me your story. Good my name is Caitlin Anderson. I'm proud to be a 20-year member of this church. Our flight from Vermont landed one Saturday afternoon in September of 2002, and we came to church the next day with our then 13-month-old Bridget in tow. We knew. We signed the book. We pledged. I was on the board when we thought we might have to cut down the tree. Benches surround her instead. We sponsored one with a plaque that says, sit down and tell me your story. Sit and watch kiddos come out of the RE wing, wait for a friend in a Wesson room meeting, watch the ministers move across campus. Our cottonwood tree, a great metaphor, branch out, never stop growing, stay grounded, remember your roots, reach for the sky, adapt to change, and listen as the leaves change now that it's fall. And now it's the symbol for our, the Radical Generosity Committee. The what you say? Oh, the fundraising, stewardship, pledge people. You've seen our tree. Thank you, Dave Wilson. 
on pledge materials and your weekly broadsheet. What are we focusing on now? As we head towards the new normal post-pandemic, the pledge drive invites us to focus on returning, renewing, and reconnecting. Instead of sitting in the rain this morning, let me share my story. I signed my first book in 1991 and have maintained membership in congregations from Indiana to Vermont before moving here. And I was taught to pledge, always. 3% of my income is my goal. And some years I can stretch to five or 7% through grad school, my first job, newly coupled, long unemployment as a young family, and now single and disabled. We also give time. If we have extra money at the end of the year, we sponsored the bench, helped with the memorial wall, and I was able to spread out a capital campaign pledge for the new social hall. We always did what we could. And why? Because church supported my parenting through the years. Religious education, mindful parenting, church camp, OWL, and bridging, and now a meaningful covenant group. You might see me at church or not. Like a bad penny, I keep returning. As we return to two services, to more in-person activities, as we move into the fall, I feel a renewal of my commitment and involvement. And it's time for us all to reconnect. Take a minute today and in the next few weeks to reconnect with church family and friends. First You has fed and sustained me for over 20 years. And if you're here with us today, I know it feeds and sustains your family too. I've already made my pledge. As we return, reconnect, and renew, we will feed, sustain, and support the campus budget and pledge for dreams and growth. Meet me after the service. I'll be at our bench. Well, if it weren't raining, sit and tell me your story. And I'll tell you more about why I pledged. Thank you to all who have done so already and for those who are planning to pledge. Please pledge to First Unitarian and her branches in Socorro and the East Mountains. We will meet our goals. In times of repression, we reach for the comforting light. In times of grief, we seek this warming light. In times of joy, we light our chalice in celebration. Spirit of life, we kindle this flame to help us find what we need in this day.
We are Unitarian Universalists, people of faith, with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. I'm delighted to tell a story today about a farmer who sought joy by trying to catch the sun. But first I want to tell you about where this farmer lived. He lived in a canyon very similar to the place my parents lived before I was born. They lived in Jemez here in New Mexico. And in this canyon, they tell me, the sun will rise very late in the morning because it had to get over the canyon walls and the light down into the canyon to where they were. And then guess what happened in the evening? The sun would set very quickly in the evening as it went over the other side of the canyon walls. And so the days were very short. The sun was not around very long. So our friend, the farmer Joku, lived in a canyon very much like this. And his family farm was in that canyon. And he worked very hard tending the fields of his family farm. He loved his work, but his friends told him, you work too hard. And he said, yes, I love my work, but you know, if only I could grab a hold of the sun, I could keep it from setting behind the mountain and I would have just a little bit more sun to myself each day. At the end of tending the fields and working so hard, I could just enjoy some sun to myself. But his friends, the neighbors, they said, catch the sun, that's impossible. Just cannot be done, Joku. Joku said, hmm, impossible. Let's see about that. And guess what Joku did? Joku set out to build the tallest tower so he could reach up and catch the sun. His friends watched him and said, oh, Joku, this is impossible. What are you doing? Joku worked on it and worked on it and the tower grew taller and taller and taller and it grew skinnier at the top and taller. And his friend said, ugh, impossible, Joku. And Joku thought, gosh, am I silly? Am I silly for wanting this, for trying to do this thing that would bring me joy? Joku kept going, kept going, trying to catch the sun. And so on that day, when he had gotten so tall and didn't know if he could grow any taller with his tower, he had a little platform at the top, and he sat there on the platform, and guess what he discovered? While the sun set for his friends down in the canyon, Joku was high enough that he could see over the mountain into the surrounding valleys, and he could still see the sun not yet set below the horizon. And so Joku sat there on his little platform at the top of his impossible tower and he treasured a 
moment with the sun. As it set, he cradled it in his hands, just that little moment of joy, just for himself. So my friends, I wonder when there is something that we know or we suspect would bring us great joy, and others say, oh, that's impossible. Maybe it's something we want to do, something we want to be, some treasure we want to find, something we want to make, and others say, oh, that's silly, or that won't work, or that's impossible. But we have this just inner sense that it would bring us great joy. What if we did it anyway, just to see what happens? Let's pause the chat for a few minutes during the meditation and prayer. Our brains are constantly working, so much so that they can feel full. <clears throat> the to-do lists and <clears throat> reminders and worries. One study suggested that in one day, our brains will process 70,000 thoughts. And now you've added that thought to the other ones that were already there. I invite you to take a breath and breathe out some of those thoughts. Just let them out of your body with your exhale. And if they're still swirling, go ahead and take another breath and let a few more thoughts leave your body. When we are constantly thinking and doing, it's hard to make space for our heart to speak. So let's take a few moments to listen for the deeper knowing inside us that isn't as loud, that isn't as boisterous, that isn't as pushy. It sits waiting for permission to offer its wisdom. Let's take a few breaths, softening into a space of groundedness, Offer yourself gratitude for making the time and space to be here this morning, for knowing that it would give you a moment to listen to your heart. Slow breaths, settling deeper into a space of calm. As your thoughts rise to the surface, invite them to take a seat for a few moments, just right over here while you make space for your heart to offer its wisdom. In this stillness, what does your heart want to offer?
We are not isolated beings. We are connected to the universe, our community, and to one another. Please use the chat bar to share what is on your heart and to support others as they share what's on their hearts. If you're not able to write in the chat bar, please contact the church office or email caring at uuabq.org. The video will prompt us first to share our joys and later the video will prompt us to share our concerns. Veo el reflejo de un show está vivido Con mi esfuerzo que va quemando el amor Ardiente como el fuego Amor de madre, amor de hijos Siguiendo fieles el ejemplo de Cristo Hay tanto que dar y tan poco que pedir Madre Santa del Cielo Hoy cantamos para ti Unidos en la alianza de amor Vamos construyendo sueños Juntos en la misión Tú y yo por ellos Toma mi vida, piensa mi voluntad Ayúdanos siempre a amar la verdad Y así lograr la santidad Transformarte, hijo predilecto, y yo voy a guiarte. Y sigue a tu hermano, sé todo para todos. Entrégate sin miedo y descubre tu misión. Y yo sembraré en la tierra fértil, llenar el huerto de tu corazón. Santa al cielo, hoy cantamos para ti, unidos en lazos de fe. Vamos construyendo sueños, juntos en la misión, tú y yo por ellos. Toma mi vida, piensa mi voluntad.
sentida All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. The act of living does not hold back. It brings it all, every day. The ugly and beautiful, the painful and joyful. We know that those things we've shared into this space don't even scratch the surface of the fullness of each of our experiences. And sometimes it can feel like too much to hold the allness of our lives and the weight of the news and all that is happening in the world all around us. As we hold that reality this morning, know that we are not alone, that each of us in this space holds a bit of the courage needed to do this life thing that together we are stronger than apart. We know that in spaces around the country, right at this moment, there are Unitarian Universalists gathering, holding similar levels of strength and courage. And indeed, around the world, maybe not meeting at just this time, but sometime soon, there are Unitarians and Universalists coming together to build up their courage to face the world. Right now, there are hundreds of Unitarian Universalist religious educators gathering in Birmingham, Alabama, plotting together all the ways we will bend the arc of the universe towards justice. We are not alone. We are connected to a much wider collective. When we feel the weight on a particular day, remember that we are connected to courageous folks all around. May we open ourselves to the full spectrum of feelings that reminds us that we are human. May our connection with this community give us strength as we move through these days. Amen, blessed be, and peace be with you.
I want a word that means okay and not okay. More than that, a word that means devastated and stunned with joy. I want a word that says, I feel it all, all of the time. The heart is not like a songbird singing only one note at a time, more like a two-van throat singer able to sing both a drone and simultaneously two or three harmonics high above it. A sound the two vans say that gives the impression of wind swirling among rocks. The heart understands swirl, how the churning of opposite feelings weaves through us like an insistent breeze, leads us wordlessly deeper into ourselves, blesses us with paradox so we might walk more openly into this world so rife with devastation, this world so ripe with joy. I'm going to start this morning with a little um, update about our services. Many of you may remember that we first reopened our physical sanctuary just a little over a year ago here on the, on the campus of First Unitarian in Albuquerque. We opened the sanctuary back up in, on September 12th after about 18 months of being all virtual. And when we did that, um, at that time, we had about an even split between Zoom logins and people coming in person. It was about 100 at each service, and that worked great. Uh, the sanctuary still felt really nice and roomy. And, um, but what we've noticed, though, is that it's gotten a lot cozier in there lately. We've definitely had well over 100 people in there, and it's gotten to where sometimes folks have a hard time finding a seat when they come in. So it feels like it's time to start having two in-person services again in the sanctuary. So as many of you know, we are gonna begin doing that on Sunday, November 6th, just three weeks from now. But what about Zoom? We still have 80 to 90 people logging in each week here on the Zoom service. Well, we are definitely going to keep Zooming as well. We're just gonna do it differently. So up until now, Zoom has been a totally different church experience than the sanctuary service. This Zoom service has had its own liturgy, its own team of volunteers, and it has taken place in a different space than the sanctuary service. We've been um, meeting you on Zoom here from our offices or homes instead of in the sanctuary. And those differences were all by design. As the world began to act as though everything were returning to normal, we wanted this 9 a.m. service to specifically minister to those of us who weren't able or ready yet to assemble in large groups. When we were planning to reopen the campus last year, vaccines had only been out for a handful of months. And some people were ready to gather in person and many expressed a profound need to do so, especially for mental health reasons. That was something we heard from folks about a lot. But other people could not imagine gathering in person yet. And even though, even though it was true that lockdowns had also taken a toll on them. So on that first day that we opened the physical sanctuary, the people on Zoom and the people in the sanctuary were having pretty different experiences of daily life. And two different services allowed us to tend to the needs of each. To a certain extent, those differences are still true today, but now we've had another year to adjust. And now I believe it's time for all of us to worship together again. It's time to take down the partition 
between the virtual congregation and the in-person congregation. There's an exercise I like to share with new ministers to help them get outside of the limits of their own perspective as they prepare their sermons and prayers. I ask them to do a brainstorm of every kind of person who might show up at church that day. Just quick brainstorm, every single kind of person they can think of. Atheists, theists, agnostics, old people, young people, middle-aged people, people with light or dark skin, a person trying to choose from several paths forward in life, a person who knows they won't live much longer, someone who just got engaged, someone going through a breakup, someone who just got out of jail, a person with chronic pain, a person who feels like dancing, a person questioning their gender orientation, and a person from another culture who doesn't know the songs and stories we assume everyone knows, someone who's giving life just one more chance, and on and on all kinds of people. We are always a congregation of many diverse experiences. Now our experiences of COVID are among them and it's time to get back together. Our theological theme for the month of October is courage and so we're calling this Project Guts. Guts stands for get us together on Sundays. If you are attending virtually, you'll still log into Zoom Church the same way and at the same time as you do right now. Only when you do, we'll all be in the sanctuary on Zoom and you'll be joined by an in-person crowd in there. There will still be time to share your joys and concerns and there will still be breakout rooms after the service. You'll see close-up shots of the ministers and the musicians and wide frame shots of your fellow UUs, kind of like you see in gallery view. If you intend attend in person, you're only gonna get one viewpoint, but it'll be the one from your seat, but you will be able to pick your seat because with two services, the sanctuary will be a lot less crowded. Here's something that I personally am really looking forward to with this change. Designing one service to share at both nine and 11, instead of designing a different service for each hour, frees up planning time and it allows the ministers and musicians to focus more of their energy on creativity and fun and less on complex logistics. We get to give each service our all. I am ready for more joy. How about you? In fact, I think that having a really great time together, sharing creativity and playfulness and joy is one of the most important things we can do as a congregation right now. In divinity school, aspiring ministers are taught about the pastoral and the prophetic work of the church. Pastoral, care of the human spirit. Prophetic, care for the world. We do both here at First Unitarian and we do this for each other. And I say we all do it for each other because with two regular ministers and when we are lucky, an intern minister, on staff for over a thousand people, we ministers are not the ones doing all of the ministry. This is something that the whole congregation does. It's shared. We tend our spirits in Sunday services and also in meaningful classes and conversations and in the music program. We tend the world through advocacy and outreach. We march, we speak up, we share food and ESL classes and after-school tutoring. We ask how to be good allies and then do it. Pastoral and prophetic. We do both. But there's something else that links those two. 
pastoral and the prophetic. And that is joy, joy, pleasure, delight. When things feel heavy, we might wonder if joy is some kind of guilty pleasure. How can we laugh when fill in the blank, right? How can I laugh when I'm grieving? How can I laugh when we should all be grieving? But actually, how can we not? How will we face it all without the pleasure that makes the present bearable and not just bearable, but desirable? If we do not desire this world, how can we love it? If there's no joy in it, what will restore our courage? Pleasure and joy are empowering. In Pleasure Activism, Adrienne Marie Brown puts it in a way that bears repeating. She says, pleasure, embodied, connected pleasure is one of the ways we know we are free, that we are always free, that we always have the power to co-create the world. Pleasure helps us move through the times that are unfair, through grief and loneliness, through the terror of genocide, or days when the demands are just overwhelming. Pleasure heals the places where our hearts and spirit get wounded. Pleasure reminds us that even in the dark, we are alive. Pleasure is a medicine for the suffering that is absolutely promised in life. Pleasure is the point. Feeling good is not frivolous, she says. It is freedom. She also addresses the fact that oppression makes us believe that pleasure is not something we all have equal access to. Oppression's structures, the way it shows up systematically, makes life more difficult for some people than for others. In fact, just as I was writing this part of my sermon, I got a phone call that illustrated this point right at the same moment that I was writing this. The call was from somebody I care about who is non-binary, and they were calling to process the fact that they had just been escorted out of a grocery store for trying to walk in with a bag that was too large. They were escorted out like this, like with big arms, like shepherding them out, pushing them out the door. And this is the bag. This is the offending bag. It's a reusable tote from Trader Joe's, a single empty reusable grocery bag. That kind of thing and worse happening repeatedly over years and years makes life harder for a lot of people. It makes it seem like pleasure is not for you. It takes a lot of forms. If you're poor, you're also shamed for spending money or time on leisure. If you're fat, same thing, but now the simple act of enjoying food can also prompt others to concern troll you. Anybody here familiar with the concept of concern trolling? That's when somebody pretends that they want to be an ally, but they just have some concerns that need addressed first. In reality though, their concerns serve other interests or reinforce oppressive norms. Sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes people don't even realize they're doing this. One example of it happens to trans kids. Adults in a transgender kid's life might try to talk the kid out of expressing their gender identity by saying they're worried for the child's safety and reputation. But studies have shown that the biggest predictor of wellness in trans youth is the support of family. That's the biggest predictor. And the second biggest predictor is community acknowledgement, like at school, of the young person's gender identity. For example, by using the person's preferred name and pronouns and not forcing them into the wrong locker room or bathroom, which in fact creates a dangerous situation. Many of us here this morning have 
personal experiences of these kinds of barriers to pleasure and joy. All of us will face unfairness, grief, loneliness, and or overwhelm in life. Adrienne Marie Brown reminds us that pleasure is healing medicine. It makes this world right now desirable. And what we desire, we will have the courage and strength to attend to and to transform. In fact, our joy and pleasure help to transform it, not only because joy is good for the world, but because it is contagious. Do you want people to join you in working for justice? Then have as much fun as freaking possible, right? Bring joy into it and it will become irresistible work. While I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, I read the book, The Sabbath by Rabbi Joshua Abraham Heschel. In Judaism, Shabbat, the Sabbath is a cornerstone of faith. It's in essence, of course, a day of rest. And I think it's relevant here because rest, pleasure, and joy all go together. They're, they reinforce each other and they're definitely related. Heschel points out that in the book of Genesis, it's written that God created the world in six days and called it good. And then God set apart the seventh day for rest and called it holy. It's the first time the scriptures use that word, holy, kadosh in Hebrew. And it's not for any object or place. It's for time, time that was set apart for rest. And that certainly inherently must also mean pleasure and joy. Heschel says that in a world of things, the architecture of the holy takes form in time, not space. And the Sabbath, the day of rest, is like a palace in time. I love that. The day of rest, pleasure, joy, that is like a palace in time. So what do you think? Shall we make these Sunday services a palace in time? Heschel wrote as a rabbi, and Judaism has its own cultural and theological approaches to the Sabbath, both ancient and new ones. But what might such a thing mean to us? It's singing together and receiving the gifts of music. It's poetry, presence, and laughing hard even. Yes, in church, because life is ridiculous sometimes. It is ridiculous. It's embracing playfulness and making room for diversity. It's showing up as you are, atheist, theist, agnostic, old, young, or in between, whatever you look like, however you identify, and wherever you are in life, ready for courageous, contagious joy. Maybe so. John, you're muted. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day of the year. 
One is rich who owns the day. The words of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Our change for the future recipient for September, October, and November is Art Street. Art Street is a community art studio used primarily by people who are unhoused, operated by the Albuquerque Healthcare for the Homeless. The Art Street program also provides art therapy groups with a focus on trauma at the Westside Emergency Housing Center. You can give online or mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. We are so very grateful for the generosity of this congregation. Thank you. And I have to say, there is just nothing better than John's smile as we walk through some of the small tech challenges. As we continue engaging with today's message, you are invited to consider a question together. Where in your life are you finding the healing medicine of joy and pleasure? And now I invite you to change from speaker to gallery view while we do our peace greeting. This way of greeting one another stood in as our symbol of connection when we were first distanced during the pandemic. 
And as you place one hand over your heart, let yourself feel the physical sensation of gratitude for each person in this community. And then as you extend your other hand out towards these friends and folks you do not yet know, extend that feeling of gratitude outwards. The beauty of this symbolic gesture towards one another is that we don't need to be in this space to remember this connection. We can simply place our hand on our heart to remember that we are not alone. And now friends, as we extinguish our chalices and candles, go in peace and may love bless you and keep you until we're gathered again. Blessed be.